When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, fanatical elves. I am the Cleveland Oracle. This is the Cleveland Oracle Speaks. I'm also known as the Village Elliot. You know, this is something that I did not predict. That the Browns are looking for an offensive coordinator. After the Browns' performance this season, that's... <laughs> actually the last thing I expected. Let me turn down the music a little bit. I thought the Browns had a pretty good season offensively given the fact that they lost their best player offensively. They also lost about four or five quarterbacks depending on how you count. And um, I think that under the circumstances they really performed really really well and uh, Alex Van Pelt is out of a job so we're told that's hard to imagine but that's what we're told and this is Cleveland this is the town where anything can happen and usually does so I'm, I have a little uh, PowerPoint that I'd like to present to those who have audio and we'll talk about um, why these things happen, what may be the future. Okay, let me present the uh, share screen window. And let's see, share screen window. Old guys in their computers, I'll tell you what. All right, so you should be able to see my PowerPoint from the beginning. All right, there we are. So the Browns had a very successful 2023 season under the circumstances. I mean, they were not an offensive juggernaut, but let's consider that they lost Nick Chubb to a knee injury and I believe that he will come back from it. I don't know if he'll be exactly the same Nick Chubb, but there are people that have come back from uh, two and I think even three ACL injuries and played for a long time. Uh, in particular, I remember there's a linebacker that did that, played for like 12 years in the NFL, had a very fine career. And so it is possible and we'll see what Nick Chubb can do, how he plays, and I hope that he stays with the Cleveland Browns. I think he will. I think they will want to re renegotiate that contract, so I think there is some potential that there might be a trade. They also, of course, lost uh, Deshaun Watson. He missed time during the season, finally went on IR. They lost both offensive tackles. Uh, Jack Conklin is all pro, of course, and then Jed Wills was not having a good season and then he went on IR. And I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, man, Jed Wills is really lazy and he was really terrible. 
I don't know that he might have been having some problems physically. I don't want to make excuses for Jed, but I don't think that we should judge him because he was playing at a better level, let's say, two years ago. He might have been having problems, and then it finally culminated in an injury that required surgery. But I don't think that I necessarily believe that he is as bad a player as he appeared to be in 2023. I want to see how he does when he comes back from surgery. I think that he has innate ability, and we may see a different player uh, when he comes back. Uh, at the end of preseason, they traded their third-string quarterback, figuring that, oh, quarterbacks never get injured. We only need two. Let's trade our third-string quarterback for a day-three draft pick. And I think they got a number – they get a number six or number five. And anyway, they, they're getting a – uh, day three draft pick for Joshua Dobbs, went to Arizona, did great, and uh, got traded again to Minnesota and started over there, uh, won some games, proved that he is at least a third-string quarterback. Maybe if he had had more game experience as a younger player, he might have been a legitimate starter. But, okay, we also drafted a quarterback, uh, a day three quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. The coaching staff likes him. He's a bit small. I think that's why he's going to be a second-string quarterback for his career, but he is talented. Um, thing about small quarterbacks is that they tend to be injury-prone, and yes, Dorian Thompson-Robinson did miss time with an injury, and he went on IR. Uh, our number four quarterback is P.J. Walker. He was signed after the start of the season. Remember, fans, I've been nagging the Browns all year long. In fact, throughout my career as a sports personality, that you can't do this kind of stuff. You need to have three guys on the active roster. You need to have a fourth guy on the practice squad to know the playbook in case of an emergency. Do they listen? No. It bit them this season, however. But you need to have these guys around. But anyway, after just a, about a few weeks with the playbook, he was signed and contributed to two wins versus playoff teams. I think he did very well under the circumstances. Nevertheless, his statistics are not impressive. They wound up signing Joe Flacco, the fifth quarterback uh, this season, and he really performed well. Uh, I would call him a, a star for the last several games of the season. And remember that he started it with just one week and a little bit more of uh, practice time and did very, very well. And uh, started a game with the playoffs, which did not go very well. But if you look at him statistically, he still threw for 300 yards. And those uh, interceptions were kind of close. You know, they could have gone either way uh, with a little bit of luck. But anyway, uh, Jeff Driscoll was also signed in order to sign a meaningless game against the Bengals, where the main uh, objective was to stay healthy. He threw two touchdown passes against Cincinnati after he got acclimated in the second half. I think that guy is talented. I'd like to see him in training camp compete for a number three job, and uh, maybe if he'll accept it, um, if he doesn't make that number three position, have him on a practice squad. We'll see. But, um, you know, he's not a going to be a franchise quarterback like everybody thinks, you know, you have to – be a franchise quarterback or else uh, being uh, shot by a firing squad or something. 
but he is capable of running an offense. And I think that you need to have a guy like that available. And it makes a big difference whether you know the playbook and know the players or not. That uh, I just can't stress that enough, how dumb it is to put a player at the quarterback position who's not familiar with your team, not familiar with your playbook. That's just dumb. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the situation. They also got rid of their running backs. Coach Stump Mitchell is very highly regarded. What happened without Nick Chubb, the superstar, the MVP, at least in my opinion, of the football team? Uh, Jerome Ford had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, 1,132 to be uh precise. And a lot of that was in uh, pass receptions. I should say receiving yards, 319 receiving yards, 44 catches. That's a lot because Jerome did not do that in college. His particular offense that they ran at University of Cincinnati did not emphasize using the running back as a pass receiver. They just handed the ball off and he would get six yards every play. So why use him as a pass receiver, just run him on the ground and he was great in college, but in the pros, uh, and especially with the Browns, not having really good run blocking from the tackle position, both tackles, remember, are out. We're playing like third, fourth string uh, players at those positions. Um, he really emerged as a dual threat, both as a uh, rushing threat and also as a receiving threat. So Jerome did a really good job. He really improved as the season went on. I was complaining about Jerome Ford early in the season. And um, also I complained about the running back room that it can't be just Nick Chubb. That's not a running back room. Just Nick Chubb does not lead the NFL in rushing yards for the team. You need to have two, three, four guys that can run the ball in order to be the top running team in the NFL if that's what you want to do. And the Browns really had only one guy, and Jerome Ford at that time, at the beginning of the year, was not a proven commodity. Now he is. Kareem Hunt was signed when uh, Nick went down, and he turned out to be in really good shape and uh, lost a few pounds and was actually performed a lot better than his statistics would show. He was used a lot in short yardage situations, and he was always good for uh, moving forward, getting a tough yard when you needed it. And so he only had 3.0 yards per carry on the ground. But a lot of that was when it was like third and one or fourth and one. And he would usually come through in those situations. So I was pretty pleased with him. And he also, like Ford, could catch the ball and uh, was a very reliable receiver coming out of the backfield. So I liked Kareem Hunt. The, I think he did a really good job. Um, he does not have a lot of uh, time left on the meter, though. Uh, this might have been his last season in the pros. Maybe he'll catch on with another team next year, but he's not an elite runner at this point in his career any longer. Pierre Strong Jr. was obtained from the New England Patriots, and he showed promise. We really liked that 4.6 yards per carry for the Browns, especially under the circumstances. But he was unavailable due to injuries more often than not. Extremely fast young man, very quick. He has good running instincts. We're not real sure about him as a blocker. But a tremendous promise, but 
you know, the number one ability that we like is availability. And we didn't see that from him this season so far. We'd like to see him develop um, in his third professional year in 2024, but we'll see. Uh, again, I can't overemphasize that the running back doesn't just do it by himself. It's the offensive line that makes the running backs really good. And as the season went on, the offensive line got thinner and thinner and running the ball became more and more problematic. And that's part of the reason why Joe Flacco had to throw the ball more than 40 times a game and why it was so important that he could get 300 yards passing every game. They had to do it that way. So why fire the running backs, Coach? I really don't know. Um, the only thing I can come up with is that, you know, they want to maybe perhaps incorporate a different style of running back in the offense where they're, you know, I think that the, the statistics show that they were doing really great at having the dual threat running back or maybe triple threat who can do, who can pass block and who can catch the ball out of the backfield and run the ball. So I think they were doing everything that I wanted to see. Everything I wanted to see uh, from the running game emerged as the season went on. I think Stump Mitchell did a great job. I have no idea why they wanted to fire the running backs coach. Um, I was um, maybe two, three years ago, I was kind of unhappy when it seemed to me that Baker Mayfield was not uh, using Nick Chubb out of the backfield as much as I would like to see him, I thought that Nick Chubb, uh, in other words, uh, was an even greater threat when you were throwing the ball to him some of the time and not just using him as, uh, you know, handoff, 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 play action, handoff, 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 and never letting him catch the ball because Nick Chubb is a very good pass receiver. All right. And, you know, we started to see that um, actually when uh, Deshaun Watson came to town. All right. Let's take a break for a commercial message uh, from our sponsors. But before we do that, I wanted to show once again, we've seen this before, this is a cause, a charity cause of Miles Garrett. It's called Water Boys. It was started by Chris Long. And Miles um, Garrett is the NFL team captain. And what they try to do is to bring clean water and sanitation to parts of the world where this is an issue. A lot of people in the world do not have clean water, which we take for granted, uh, most of us, not everybody in America has clean water, but a lot of us do. I know that I certainly do in uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio, and I'm grateful for it, but not everybody in the world is so fortunate. And Miles says, and I'll just read around the world, you see it every day, countries in Africa and Asia just don't have the resources to get clean water. They're drinking bacteria-infested, parasite-infected water every day. It's draining their energy. It's killing them. It's not allowing them to live the life we do every day. What really shocked me is what we don't know about the lack of water that's here in the States. There's so many people who are without water, without clean water. And there's Miles. I believe that he's visiting um, a remote area in Africa and helping to, uh, you know, they help to drill wells <clears throat> and uh, 
<clears throat> to make sure that they're clean, that they uh, have treatment facilities to make sure that the people are able to obtain clean water, whereas before they were operating with uh, contaminated uh, water sources. So that's a really great thing for Miles. I'll pause for a few seconds here, and many of the platforms that carry the show will have um, sponsored messages. And I'll uh, thank you to uh, Johnny Cleveland for providing these commercial messages. Okay, and we're back. And by the way, um, also wanted to thank uh, Freesound for providing the music for our show. That That is a um, no royalty, you know, or only uh, by voluntary contributions. And they provide the music for our show every time. Very grateful for them. All right. So let's go back to the question. Why does the team need a new offensive coordinator if they made the playoffs when they had like six different quarterbacks that they were bringing, uh, you know, training up during the season, and they really didn't give them enough time to get trained properly? They were always one quarterback short. Uh, they didn't put quarterbacks on the practice squad when they had the opportunity. I was mad about that the whole season. And, you know, the Jeff Driscoll affair was kind of a joke. They could have had him in October, but I don't know. They, you know, they wanted to have, um, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, reserve lineman or running back or something, and they just couldn't find the roster space for a quarterback on a 16-player practice squad, even though quarterback is generally thought to be a relatively important position on the offense. Amazing. But I think you could make the criticism – uh, perhaps, that the offense as presently constituted is better designed for a pocket passer like Jacoby Brissett or Joe Flacco. They did pretty well with those guys. And maybe they want a different style. Maybe Deshaun Watson wants a different style for a mobile downfield passer like Watson. Um, don't know if that was Watson's idea, whether it was Jimmy Haslam's idea, or whether Kevin Stefanski came up with that on his own. Um, all sorts of conspiracy theories are welcome at this point in time. Does Kevin have in mind, you know, there could be another um, possibility as well with all these coaching staffs being fired around the NFL. Maybe Kevin had in mind some specific person or people that might have come available that is, oh, I got to have this guy. This guy is such a brilliant offensive coordinator. He needs to be on our team. Let's go out and get them. And, um, you know, so that's why that decision to fire the OC may have been made at this time. And um, I think it's kind of curious, you know, on the other hand, that they would fire certain of the coaches and not others. Uh, or this is the real horrible thought that maybe Bubba, you know, Bubba is always complaining about, darn that Kevin Stefanski, his play calling is terrible. Every time they have third down and they don't make fourth down, it's because of Kevin Stefanski's terrible play calling. Let's get an offensive coordinator, and Kevin can just sort of stand there and, and guide the team and let the new offensive coordinator call the plays. Yeah, that's what we ought to do. 
And remember, we tried that um, in uh, 2018, where they took away the play calling responsibility from Hugh Jackson. And that's really kind of, that's just a, a circus where the, the offensive coordinator has more authority than the head coach. Why don't you just make the offensive coordinator the head coach if you're going to give him the authority to call plays and take it away from the head coach? That does not make any sense. That's typical Cleveland Browns where you have the guys that are underneath the head coach have more authority than the guy on the top. You just cannot have that. Uh, you know, that should be obvious. That's the thing that D. Haslam brought to the Browns as a stable organization chart where the people at the top actually have the uh, authority. And, um, okay, we did hear some news in that area. This is from Mary Kay Cabot uh, from uh, Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer. And the Browns are interviewing offensive line coach Andy Dickerson, who was a Browns assistant. Two different uh, occasions, 20, 2009, also worked for uh, Freddie Kitchens uh, in 2019. And he might be a candidate to replace Alex Van Pelt. Now, I'm not sure that this is the guy that is going to uh, create that wide open offense that the Browns are looking for. Although, um, you know, the Seahawks... Uh, have had that kind of running offense um, or running quarterback offense, I should say, kind of like Deshaun Watson um, with Russell Wilson. And, um, you know, so maybe there's some kind of parallel there where they want to have some of those same style plays uh, being called. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, the other thought I had is that, well, maybe they just wanted to interview Andy just in case they're in the future looking for somebody to replace Bill Callahan if he ever retires. And we hope that he doesn't. Everybody absolutely loves Bill Callahan, and we just want him to coach forever and ever. But anyway, that was just a thought that occurred to me. Uh, otherwise, this interviewing uh, Andy Dickerson doesn't make any sense to me. The Browns need to have a running backs coach. Um, Stump Mitchell, so highly regarded. All the running backs seem to really love him. Uh, he got a great year from, well, okay, great is people criticize me for overusing the word great, but let's say he had a good year from a running back with a very injured offensive line, and uh, it was evident that he was making great progress pardon me, good progress, acceptable progress during year two. It was evident that he was improving. And uh, it's reasonable to believe that with a better offensive line and um, with uh, additional growth in his game, that Jerome Ford is going to be even better in 2024. This comes to us from Josina Anderson at NFL Insider and CBS Sports. Deuce Staley, remember him with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, very good running back. I don't know much about him as a coach, but, yeah, he was a really tough player, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. You know, being on the Panthers, I don't know if that's a really great qualification, but on the other hand, there's a lot 
that could go wrong on the Panthers that isn't your fault. Okay. That's all I wanted to uh, say at this time. I did forget to say something about the tight end situation where the Browns um, had sort of a mixed bag where they got really good performance, of course, from um, David Njoku, who had a career year, made the Pro Bowl. That was really fantastic. Congratulations to David. The other tight ends did not fare as well. Um at, uh, you know, Jordan Akins did not have nearly the year for Cleveland that he had in uh, Texas. I think he was in like uh, 400, 500 yards as a receiver last season. And this year he had like 140 yards or something like that. And um, then also, um, you know, we just didn't have uh, our second and third tight end uh, get the kind of yards that we wanted to have um, behind Njoku. Everybody else had fewer yards rather than more yards. So um, so Njoku did better, and the other two tight ends had fewer yards, and uh, that was not so fantastic. So I think that's a mixed review on the tight ends. I didn't really have a problem with uh, the uh, – position that that necessarily needed to be addressed by a coaching uh, fallacy or weakness that needed to be replaced. I don't know one way or the other. But I, I did feel more strongly, I guess, about uh, Stump Mitchell being a really good coach. And um, it really comes as a mystery. I just really want to know whose idea it was that there needed to be a change in the structure of the offensive uh, coaching staff. If it was Kevin Stefanski's idea, well, okay, great. If, on the other hand, there are um, signals, let's say, from ownership that changes needed to be made, if there are meddling, let's that would be a good word. Meddling from ownership is something that I thought that the Browns had outgrown. And if that's not true, that could be a problem for the future. That is what the Oracle is trying to focus on and determine for the future. Are we seeing a return to that uh, meddling style of uh, ownership? I don't want to see that. I don't want that to be a part of the Browns' future. I think that would be a very unhappy future for the Browns. I hope I'm wrong about that. But all right, I'm going to sign off for now. All you fanatical elves, have a great day. I'll talk to you again very soon.